Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! I'm getting the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Welcome to 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush, joined by Adam Luckett, and today is the first official day of the college football offseason. Georgia and Alabama went toe-to-toe last night in the national championship in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. They did not open the roof, but we did see an instant classic luck. That game, the game had everything you could want in a national title. Yeah, I think um, outside of the Jamison Williams injury, it kind of went how – those who thought Georgia would win, I think it kind of went how you thought it would go. Um, back and forth, back and forth, but then just kind of Georgia beats everybody kind of like the old school Alabama way where they just kind of slowly um, squeeze you squeeze you out, and then in the fourth quarter they pull away, and that's kind of what happened. Defense took over. Um, meanwhile, the offense finally had success running the ball there in the fourth quarter. Line of scrimmage, they kind of took over the game. So really for Georgia, I think a rightful champion deserved. Mm-hmm. They were the best team all year. Dominant for most of the season. Really didn't have kind of a, a lull other than they just got hit by a freight train there in Atlanta when Bryce Young went nuclear. Right, right. I mean, but they adjusted and obviously benefited from some injury luck with John Mechie and Jamison Williams pretty much being out for the entire championship game. Uh, but you still have to tip your hats to them. They were the best team all year, um, deserved champion, uh, loaded roster. Um, really kind of an interesting concept after a year after Nick Saban said, you're just not going to win with defense anymore. Right, right. That- Georgia went not uh, t- totally with defense, but the best unit on that on the field was the Georgia defense. Well, and that was the irony. I, I think by a good margin, it was the best unit in college football this season. That, that was just the – the beautiful part of it all is, I mean, that – how many times did we have a Mark Stoops press conference where somebody was asking? That that was like the most yep. quoted thing of 2020 in, in the college football world. And then a year later, defense does win the game. What, what was fascinating too, like it, is the way that Alabama attacked it. It was very similar to, you know, like I, I wasn't watching a ton of Georgia games because they were just, you know, busting the snot out of everybody. But – when they played in these big games, you could, you can't run at them. Uh, at one point, Bama had Bama's running backs had 18 rushing yards on seven carries. Like 
you 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 have to go at the edges and you saw once Williamson went out like there wasn't you know there there wasn't a whole lot they could do they still had some guys like that that 84 for yeah. them the true freshman but you could just see the inexperience hey, and there the wasn't chemistry Last time these teams played in the 2017 National Championship, it was Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy stepped up as true freshman. Um, A.G. Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks are not of that caliber. Like, both of those kids are going to be good players, but there's a reason why they weren't playing a lot this season. Um, why they went out and got a Jamison Williams is because those guys aren't just – aren't that good. And but, but at the same time, they're still they're still true freshmen. So, yeah, that was a lot to ask. And then on the defensive side at cornerback, yeah, yeah, they went after both those starters. Dudes. Um, their third cornerback, Nick, was a guy, Mark, a guy Kentucky recruited out of the portal, Marcus Banks. He decided to leave the team early. He would have started for them in that championship game last night if he was still on the <laughs> roster. Yeah. Instead, he's at Mississippi State right now. Um, but overall, yeah, like you said, you're just not running ball on that Georgia front. Bama had 73 rushing yards if you take out sacks. It's just tough sledding against Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, yeah, and Moby Dean and all them dudes. I, I would also say that Brian Robinson, of all the Alabama running backs, he is near the bottom of that right. totem pole. Right. Um, so, yeah, Alabama even getting the championship was kind of a pretty good coaching job by Nick Saban. This wasn't their best team. You kind of go by, back and look at the week-by-week week results, snuck by Arkansas at home, had the weird Iron Bowl. The Florida um, game. The Cincinnati game was kind of just, you know, not oh, um, super yeah. smooth, just kind of clunky. Um, so it wasn't your typical Alabama team. Next year, I think it's going to be. I think oh yeah, be yeah. I mean, Will Will Anderson next year. That dude is like some of the underclassmen in this game were just insane. I mean, absolutely insane. Will Anderson is he looks like freaking T.J. Watt out there, and he is what. 19, 20 years 20 old. years old, right. My I mean, God. he's a freak show. He is a yeah. freak. And, and then, then the other Bowers guy. on the other side, right. What, what was that? Is it Carter? Is that his name? Jalen Carter, sophomore, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, but who, who's the other edge that Alabama has is pretty good? Uh, oh, D- Dallas Turner, who's a true yeah, freshman. Dal- yeah, he like, like he's a true two. freshman. I mean, and then you're getting Bryce Young back. There was one play in particular um, where – I mean, Young made some killer throws that if he has Mechie and Jameson, like in one in particular, it was late in the game. I don't think it was on that that drive where they were, but it, it was nevertheless late in the game. And it somehow went over. Like, I don't know how it cleared the guys because it was almost like double coverage and it just cleared over the zone and it hit 84 in the hands. But he I think couldn't it was like even, a little corner out down there. Yeah. He couldn't even see the ball because he was he was that covered and it mm-hmm. just hit him right in the hands. Bryce Young, uh, your your takes last year before he, you know, when he didn't take over for Mac Jones, they were correct. He is the truth, he is the real deal. Um, but he just he didn't have the guns last night. They're gonna be back next year, but last night it, it was not going to be Alabama's night. Four nation unless, for Georgia. Unless Stetson Bennett, like really Stetson Bennett it, and he tried that first round. Mm-hmm. My God. Yep. Two throws before the interception, Bryce Young, go ball, hits Ja'Cory Harris – or uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, excuse me, perfect. He just didn't throw two hands up. He couldn't locate the ball. Yeah. That that could have been a touchdown if the if the guy locates the ball because he beat the corner off uh-huh. the line and the safety wasn't – didn't get over in time for help. So, that Bryce Young made some throws in that game. There was two big drops by Hall – 
there in the red zone. Cameron Latou dropped a tough catch there there in the end zone. Like against Georgia and get some of these better defenses like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have had, you got to have big-time receivers that can go make competitive catches. And we've talked about on this podcast what yeah. Kentucky has to get. Yeah. you got to go get guys that can line up on the outside win one-on-ones and make tough catches. That's how Clemson beat Alabama when they played them twice in the national championship game. They had guys that made tough catches on the outside, and that's what you have to do. And Bama just didn't have that last night. It was ultimately like why Georgia I mean, won. But football has a way. Um, the game is very leaning heavy towards offense with rules and how it's set up and all that. Um, but you, at the end of the day, you still have to get stops. Um, and that Georgia defense yes. just was was just awesome all, in multiple areas, specifically the red backed zone. up red zone. They were I just mean, incredible. Third, they, they, third they, downs. They earn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's when, if you look at this game, that the craziest part to me is despite the talent deficiencies at receiver, which is kind of wild to say from Alabama's standpoint, but even though they didn't have all of their guys, they still left a lot of points on the board because they just couldn't – they didn't have the space to operate in Georgia just raised hell in that in that red zone. I mean, they forced four field goals, blocked one of them. Um, and you couldn't – I, I got so used to watching the NFL, teams going for them fourth down. Like, it would be crazy to go for it on fourth and goal from the four because you just had to get points in this game. This wasn't right. like an NFL – you, you Until had the fourth to. quarter, yeah, it was points were hard to come by. Yeah. And- Things just got crazy there. Which man? Frame. Uh, I would like to. I don't like to be the guy to brag about uh, bets or anything, but I think I should take some personal responsibility for making sure that under hit. I was I was willing it for it to happen. It, it couldn't have happened without those two point conversion fails, which those were all those were terrible plays by both teams, um, especially just the outside zone run. Like, what are you doing? You haven't done this all game, uh, but. That was that was a wonderful sight to behold. And a shout out to our friends at Prize Picks. We've been telling you all to play Prize Picks all year long. You use the promo code Personnel, they'll double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. And for big moments, for big games like the college football playoff, I'm sure they'll have some during the NFL playoffs coming up, uh, particularly the Super Bowl. They'll usually do a promo where it's like, "Hey, this guy, if he passes for one yard, boom, there's one part of your parlay." So I just parlayed. Bryce Young over one passing yards with a Brock Bowers touchdown. And my God, did that come in just hoo yeah. Um, so download prize picks, keep an eye on it for big games, and then you can win big. I got three to one odds basically for a Brock Bowers touchdown. Like you, you don't get that anywhere else except by playing with prize picks. Uh, it was an entertaining night from a football standpoint. The the blitzes that Kirby Smart brought. I was, I was talking to one of my buddies, and he was like, man, why can't we do stuff like that? And it's like uh, against Georgia. And first off, Kentucky did bring a lot of heat on Stetson Bennett, and he just made throws, and Brock Bowers just made – like that, that Brock Bowers touchdown he had against Kentucky in the end zone. Like Kentucky brought the heat. Bennett stood in the pocket, delivered a throw, got hit. And, and those pros they have on the front absorbed a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard to do that because you have to have the guys, but man, they all like, they were playing a risky game with some of those blitzes and early on, especially that first drive, Alabama just made them look foolish. But when they start getting home, like it, that's when you're like, okay, Kirby's a genius. And 
there was a couple of them where they were doing a lot of that movement pre-snap and that confusion Alabama picked up a lot of it but there would always be like one safety that would sneak in and that's who would end up getting to young and oh man I it, it was it was a fun that was a very fun football game not only from just the scheme standpoint but you also had like the dumb stuff too to go along with it where you know, you've got Dan Mullen looking like a freaking nerd wearing his sneakers on the sideline. I don't think – I think he's ditched the Jordans now because he's he's no longer Jordan brand. Um, uh, Nothing but playoff expansion talk before the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got Andrew Luck uh, looking fragile next to RG3, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to believe that that was, what, 10 years ago when they were 1-2. Yeah, and and, tra- and uh, I saw somebody tweet, like, uh, these guys look like they were best friends in high school and they haven't seen each other for 10 years. Now one of them is uh, a big time attorney and the other one is just loving life, coaching high school history, teaching high school <laughs> history. <laughs> it was, it was weird seeing them together. It was, but man, that was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, shout out to Kirby for the Larry Munson quote there at the yeah, end that too. Great. That was perfect. That, that was a great callback. Uh, it's just a shame we don't get to make, uh, the Georgia jokes anymore. They they got the monkey off their back bucket. Kirby in the celebration is kind of the opposite of Nick Saban was talking about how big it was pretty much for Georgia, for the mm-hmm. program, for him, for everyone. You could tell there was – he got a grill off his back with that, and now they could just kind of keep moving forward um, and then maybe start what could potentially be a rivalry of sorts here with them in Alabama. Um and see if they can go on a little run here. Um, but, like, they're built to last, like I've told people. Even if they don't win, like, it's not a referendum on his tenure, these games. Like, he's – Kirby Smart's, like, 46 years old. He's going to be doing this for a long – like, <laughs> a long played, time. He played with Tim Couch, you know. Right. That, that, he's, that was – Like, he's going to be around for a while here, so. Uh, the the question I have for you, Lucky, because I've gotten it too um, – what is like we know the defensive line all most of those guys are gone right except for Jalen everyone with Jalen Carter yeah yeah so we know Georgia is going to lose some guys but I don't like you said they're built to last so let's get like an early just Georgia outlook for all the folks who want to dream yeah. about beating them okay. at Kroger Field in November next year the thing with Georgia next year is like the strength of the defense for them this year was just that front and then those linebackers and then a downhill safety and Lewis seen that they could just erase everything. Mm-hmm. Strength of the defense next year is kind of, kind of be probably the secondary, the cornerbacks. Um, but like linebacker, they're totally retooling. Like there's going to be a lot of green faces in there. Um, defensive line, they're retooling like their edge players. All those guys are going to be new faces outside of Jalen Carter, pretty much in that front seven. So there's going to be a, a growing period earlier in early in the season, but Kentucky's not seeing them till <laughs> week twelve. So they're a fine tuned machine, <laughs> right? So like there's going to be some growing pains there. Now that they've got a lot of young talent, I mean there there's going to be a lot of. If you remember back in 2018, Georgia had a ton of freshmen and sophomores playing, um, and people were like, "Well, look, they're just they're really young. They're going to be they're just building for the future." I mean, a lot of those guys now are seniors on this team. Um, that's what's kind of going to – they're going to have a situation similar to that next year. It's going to be a really young team for Georgia. 
And really, when you kind of look at the roster, really the, they need the offense to really kind of get they, ramped up and rolling next year. They need year. JT Daniels to be J, like be good. Because the defense is pro- – new court, new defensive coordinator too, yeah. Nick. They're probably mm-hmm. just going to promote Will Muschamp, I would imagine. That's probably going to come this week. <laughs> so, and – so with that, well, they're probably going to do a co-coordinator thing with co-coordinator thing with this and a guy named Glenn Schumann, who's like a young hot shot mm-hmm. staffer on the defense right now. But but Georgia's going to, I mean, they're going to be right there because they're in the thick of it because of how they recruit. Um, but there is going to be a, an adjustment period on D. when you lose at star power. I don't care who you are and all those guys off the top of my head, they're going to lose like nine or ten starters off that defense. That's like, a lot. Keely Ringo, Jalen Carter are the only two I can think of off the top of my head that will be back next year. And then you look depth purposes-wise. Like, they had a three-man rotation at off-ball linebacker. Quay Walker, number seven. Nicobe Dean, 17. Channing Tindall, 41. All those guys are gone. I'm assuming Dean would leave. He's a junior. I'm sure assuming he would leave early. Yeah, yeah. Outside linebacker, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, who got kicked off the team, I think. Um, for a mid-season arrest, and there was someone else there. They're all gone. The defensive line we talked about, Wyatt, Jordan Davis, mm-hmm. Trayvon Walker, all those guys are going to be gone. So it's going to – it's a big um, – not necessarily rebuild. It's just going to look different. They're yeah. not going to be able to do as much stuff as they did this year because of the talent they've had. But Pickens going to be a bear to deal with. Pickens is done too, correct? George Pickens on offense. He could come back for another year. It's just going to be – he was a true junior this season. I bet okay. he comes back. Especially after, you know, not playing for an entire season. Right. Uh, man, that was a hell well, of a That's what I'm saying. You look too. at their offense. You could look at their offense and be like, George Pickens. Um, get You get Kendall Milton back at running back, plus how well they've recruited there. Brock mm-hmm. Bowers, a tight end. Darnell Washington, a tight end. Gosh. What if Eric Gilbert decides, hey, I want to play football now and just shows up and plays receiver? I mean, that offensively, they're going to – they're going to mm-hmm. have a lot of weapons. Running backs kind of a little bit – they lose it, a lot, but they get Kendall Milton back. They've recruited that position really well. They're is Cook done too? Together. Yeah. Okay. Cook, I, I would have – he should be one of the top backs in the draft. Take him. He's so fast. And that was the thing that was killing me watching that game too with a little Skrilla on Georgia. Todd Munkin, I, I get that you want to try to give your quarterback a good situation on first down, you know. And the first shot he timed up, it was perfect. That that deep ball to Pickens, that really gave him some life. But that first drive of the second half, they just rail off back-to-back first down, 10, 15-yard runs. And then they, they they try to throw it, and Bennett takes a sack. He's terrible at throwing the ball away. My God. Like, dude, throw it. First just, play of the game on the bootleg, he just my, takes it. Unnecessary sack. I mean, and then he had a grounding, which, by the way, the officials they they have no idea how to call intentional grounding in college football. Because if if they were going to preemptively call Bennett for intentional grounding on the fumble play, that I don't even think was a fumble. I know that everybody's going to tell me I'm an idiot for it. But if they were going to preemptively call grounding on that one, how do you not call it on the one that uh, was the scooping score on the first possession by Bryce Young? That just killed me. But. Back to what I was saying, Munkin, some of it, it's like, dude, just run the damn ball. <laughs> like, be who you are. Why, why are you giving Will Anderson a chance to tee off on, on your guy? It was, it, it was baffling at times, but Georgia, they got the win. They are the kings of the castle right now. 
But it might not be for long because the Wildcats, they're bringing everybody back. It's a party in Lexington. The dominoes continue to fall in the right direction. Um, it, I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm trying to think of who has it, like which significant players are we still even waiting on? And what was it? Is Dare the last? Is Dare the last one? Some interesting ones of note. Dare, obviously, I think Tyrell Asian is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Darren Kennard hasn't said anything. We're assuming he's going, but. Right, right. Um, but those are the kind of the three. Austin Dodson's also out there. I don't know if he's what, what they would even want, how that kind of is. Yeah. I so don't... you have to consider they would move on. But yeah, right now, I think you're, you're waiting on Asian and. Dara Rosenthal, those would be the two. And obviously Rosenthal, the big one there. Yeah, yeah. And if I were power ranking them, I'd probably consider him maybe the second most important one to keep just because of how difficult it could be to find somebody to replace him, um, especially losing, you know, Darren Kennard off that offensive line. But as for the rest, I mean, Kentucky's got a stacked linebacker room with Jordan Wright returning, Jacquez Jones, Andy Andre Square, got a lot of experience on the edge, and you've got a running back that's returning that is really just – he could have an average season and become the school's all-time leading rusher and break a bunch of rushing records. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot on the table for Rodriguez, and it just – it ensures that you have a reliable guy in the backfield that – you know, once again, we're going into a season wondering about UK's wide receivers. If, 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 if the talent does not develop over the spring and the summer, you can still lean on C-Rod to, to have, you know, eight, nine hundred yard rushing games next season. Yeah. I mean, if Chris Rodriguez isn't a preseason all American, we should riot. <laughs> I mean, the dude's been ridiculous, but the thing, Nick, like I talk about, the efficiency he brings to your offense is just going to set – it sets you up for so much success. You're going to be consistently ahead of the change as long as he's touching the football. You're not going to be in bad situations. You just need him to fix the fumbling stuff. Mm-hmm. Can't have eight fumbles or whatever he had this past year. Got to fix Two the, or three the, in the red zone, yeah. Got to fix those issues. And then, like, you have you have the baseline for your offense just right there, and you got a proven quarterback – just a lot to get excited about with the offense, with him being back, because it that helps set everything else up and opens up a lot of stuff, I think, for your passing game. Open up stuff at tight end. You're getting Keaton Upshaw back this mm-hmm. season. Yep. Receiver, Tavion Robinson, Virginia Tech transfer, plus some young talent you've accumulated via high school recruiting. Um, you find the right mixture there. You should be fine. But Rodriguez starts it all. Um, he's your bell cow. He's your workhorse. He sets the table for the offense um, and really – and really just gives you a chance, I think, to have put together another top 25 offense. Getting him back, I think, assures you of that. And it also kind of sets the floor um, for, your, for your offense, too. And I think yes. we can talk about setting the floor for the defense as well. Some of these returnees pretty much, like, I think it assures Kentucky that if things went bad, they wouldn't get super bad this year. Like, you're still going to reach a baseline level um, because of what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, and – Man, I, I I think we we've talked about that a couple different times on here about how the floor has been raised. You're, you're unsure of the ceiling just because of the distance in talent between you know you and Georgia, which it's 
pretty much everybody Which is in college everybody football. Everybody else in college football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Georgia Bama and then a whole bunch of people. But the, that, like, I, I don't even know what the four is. And I, I know that, like, you have all of your early rankings and you're kind of just trying to get rough estimates on what teams are going to look like next year. But I mean, really, Tennessee might be your toughest at Tennessee might be your toughest game next year besides Georgia. Like Ole Miss, hell, they might not even have yeah, Lane Kiffin yeah, as their this coach. Is, but the road games in general are going to be a little tough this year. I mean, at, Florida's going to be down, but it's still going to Florida. Missouri. Ole Miss, it's going to be weird, but it's still Lane Kiffin. Um, is it? Yeah, Missouri, that's going to be a big <laughs> game for them. Like, they're not easy, but they're not – it's also not daunting. Yes. But There's no it, at Georgia trip on the slate. It, and I think when you look at the direction the offense went just from year to year, um, you know, I mean, the transformation in just year one was remarkable. Now you get a whole offseason for Will Levis and Liam Cohen to work together. I know they're not up there. He can't watch them throw passes and, you know, they got all those dumb rules, but like, Kentucky went from 106 in red zone touchdown percentage to eighth. They went from 95th in third down conversion percentage to fifth. That I'm, I'm not sure we gave enough. Liam Cohen got enough shine this year from us and the fan base throughout the season. I mean, the offense was pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. I think Juan Dale picked up all like, you know. We, we gave a lot of it to the players um, because they were the guys out there doing it on the field. But that was like the, the tweet that Feldman had talking to people like, Cohen schemed up a hell of a game. And to only have really – I mean, if you were just looking at next year's draft class, Wondell's the only dude that would be drafted as a skill player. Like, I mean, maybe if Will leaves, you know, they're going to take flyers on guys in mid-rounds. And C-Rod might be a late pick, but they – you know, a lot of teams yeah. think he's undraftable with fumbling. But, like – to do what they did, I mean, they were scoring 10 more, 10 and a half more points a game than a year ago. Mm-hmm. One of the worst in Power Five football to 35th. Like, that is, that is an astounding accomplishment in year one. And that, and, and I, I don't mean to beat that dead horse, but that was just year one. And now you're bringing a lot of guys yeah. back. Um, and that foundation, the, the kind of how they talk about the offensive line, foundation's been there. And now you yeah. can approve upon it. Like, what if Chris Rodriguez can figure out the outside zone, get mm-hmm. more reps at it? Or you just got Jatan McClain running it, you know? like Yeah, listen, just this in general here, Nick. Will Levis, redshirt senior. Chris Rodriguez, redshirt senior. Tavian Robinson, senior. Keaton Upshaw, redshirt senior. Dare Rosenthal, redshirt senior. Kenneth Orsi, redshirt senior. Tayshawn Manning, super senior. Like, you're just going to have a, a lineup – Filled with old ass dudes, for lack of a better term. Eli Cox, redshirt junior. Redshirt junior. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those are just those are just the, as old as you can get. I guess is what I was trying to get at by naming those guys off at right, key right. positions. And so, like, and then you if you can mix in some young guys with those, that there's just a lot to get excited about. I think with the offense, receivers a huge question mark. They could potentially add one more. Very interesting to see how Tavian Robinson does here in spring ball. And if, like, we see a Magwood, a Chris Lewis make a jump forward, what does Dan Key look like? 
Oh man, um, be interesting if Dakel Crowdis is a go for spring practice. And then the big one, which it's impossible to watch any of that All American game and not just be like, "Holy shit, Barry and Brown is fast!" Yeah, <laughs> so fast, so fast, like to the point. It's we, like we, we don't have like that's not. Yeah, that guy doesn't run around with a Kentucky helmet on. No. Like, that guy with that skill set is not, like, he's coming to Kentucky. He's going to be catching, like, he's going to be at Kroger Field doing that. There's a lot to get excited with that kid. I mean, he is a walking highlight reel. And the thing that's crazy that, like, I I know it's an All-American game, and, you know, so so it's a little bit different. The continuity – just the nature of playing in an all-star game is going to be different. But for him, I mean, it was him and Isaiah Bond, the the other, like, you know, one or two best receivers in America. He's going to Alabama next year. Like, those were the two guys who were making all of the plays. And to see Brown take a screen, just like a basic little tunnel screen, and make everybody else look like they're moving in slow motion, man, I, I the only thing, I just wish he could get on campus Right. Today, you know, like that. That's there was another one where he totally reverse field, made three or four people miss, twelve yard gain, and it was just like, man, Dude. just imagine getting him in an offense where you can scheme him open a little bit, and then yes, oh man, see what can happen. And that's where where you just hope, like you just hope that it clicks, like you you hope that stuff, because, uh, you know, we mentioned it with the Bama freshman earlier, where they have the talent, but they aren't necessarily on the same page as their quarterback. Get there. I don't think he's going to be at Wandale level of comfort with uh, <laughs> right away. But if you can get 60, 70% of that, like that dude really is. Yeah, you just got to create gadget touches for him where it's like, all right, we're running a certain pass concept. Barry, and you're the number one. We're looking for you here. Mm-hmm. Jet sweeps, uh, quick game screens, right? stuff like that, where you just got to – you got to manufacture touches for him, I think, especially early as a, pl- a young player um, because of just that explosive playmaking ability he possesses. Potentially use him on kick return. Uh, he was used to kick return in the All-Star game. Um, you just got to find ways to get him the ball. Um, it's not, like, that different from when they got Lynn Bowden. Like, you just got to find yeah, find ways to get – just get him the ball and see what happens. Um, that He's that caliber of, I think, talent and potential. Um, but like you said, if he clicked as a true freshman, then it's really, it really right. Like you talk about, we know how high the floor is, but that stuff like that, if you get an explosive playmaking like that, that's what raises the ceiling for the offense. Yes. And, and I was having a conversation with, with one uh, UK assistant. And he was like, you saw the Georgia game. One Dale didn't look fast against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Barry and Brown, he can look fast against Georgia. Yeah, like, he looks fast against anyone. Yeah, I mean, he is a whole different level. He was exciting in that All-American game. Uh, and elsewhere, I didn't get uh, – uh, it was one of those things we had a, a, a delayed – you know, COVID, you got to move your holiday parties and everything around. So we had a delayed Christmas party that afternoon. So I was able to watch the first half. Didn't get to see much of Keaton Wade or Afari. Did Afari – was he even playing? Afari didn't play. Okay, that's that's what I thought. Um so I didn't get to see a ton of them, but I really, really liked what I saw from Nick Hall, who was a late call-up uh, to the game. Uh, on one screen pass, they 
his team scored on. I mean, he's 12 yards down the field by the time the guy catches the ball. You yeah. know, that dude moves well. Big thing for Hall is just, like, he's not going to be able to play as a true freshman. No. But you can see some traits he has, size, length, arm length, um, movement ability, positional athleticism, mm-hmm. where you can really see it three years down the line. He needs development, but there's a lot of traits to get excited about with him. Uh, he had some rough moments in the game. Um, he got beat on a few pass rush sets, but there's a lot to like with him. Um, there's a high ceiling for him at the player. Um, yeah. When I, I wrote the All-American Recap Notebook for KSR, and I wrote that's the big thing with him looking out of that game is that he has a high ceiling as anybody in this signing class. And he's got and a nice that, and that's foundation, a big too. statement, I think. Right. Like pedigree, all that stuff. There's pedigree. There's a, a good knowledge of the position. And that's kind of the opposite with Goodwin in that, like, you know, Keontae doesn't, doesn't have a dad who was a can't miss prospect out of Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Out of Camp McKinley, like one of the biggest, oldest football powerhouses in America, you know, like who has a wealth of knowledge of that position that Keontae just doesn't have. He looked good in his true pass rush sets, but it was the just kind of like what you see at camps where it's we're doing one-on-ones. If you had guys running twists and stuff, he hadn't seen a lot of that. Uh, So, like, he's going to have to develop a knowledge of that spot that he just Mm -hmm. doesn't have right now. Yeah, the thing with Keontae Goodwin and really offensive linemen in this game, opposite of, like, Barry and Brown, where you could still see how fast he is how he moves with the ball in space, make people miss, change direction. It's hard to judge an offensive lineman. Like, one of Goodwin's biggest strengths is just his size, his power, his play strength, his grip strength. Mm-hmm. And where that's really going to be an advantage is in run schemes. Yeah. In double teams. Um, in rooting people out at the point of attack and moving big bodies. That's what he's going to be really good at, I think. And we saw none of that. Um, his, his pad sets, Nick. Um, a little clunky. Against some big-time edge rushers, um, it can be tough. But when he gets those mitts on you, those, those dudes are done for the most part in the All-American game. Yeah. When he landed on, on guys, they were done. The pass rush was over. Done. <laughs> it's just getting more comfortable um, in adapting to that. But he's got the frame, the athleticism of length to succeed at that position. Getting in the spring is huge. Yes. Um, and getting facing against Kentucky and seeing how he develops is huge. He's still a guy I think is going to play as a true freshman. We'll see how that how that goes. I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting by the end of the season. I mm-hmm. think that was probably be the safe bet. Right. But, but there's still a lot to like with him. But like you said, there is there is a rawness aspect aspect to Keontae Goodwin because of the level he played in high school. Yeah. You know. It was. It wasn't the best. He um, wasn't blocking dudes of comparable size. But as like soon as he, that could be a thing, yeah. though, Nick. Where after you know a few months of practice, you adjust to the speed of the game. Come October, I mean, everything's clicking for him after spring ball, and then you know, fall camp and a few weeks of practice, it could all click. But there's no denying the talent and the the ability and really that play strength aspect, which is only going to get better, I think. And I really think that shows up that work he's done in a in a legitimate kind of strength and conditioning program, which is really what he's been in mm-hmm. um, with aspirations of Chris Vaughn for four years. I mean, from a physicality standpoint, he's ready. 
it's just going to be more intricacies of the game and specifically on the offensive line and a tackle though that's as many intricacies there are in at a certain position on a football field is learning all you have to do to succeed Goodwin moved in this week. Um, he's rooming with uh, Elijah Reed up at UK, another early enrollee from Aspirations Gym. There's another guy who's moving in this week, a big-time surprise late edition that we'll talk about right after this. Look at, even though it's the first official day of the offseason, Vince Mara taking no time off. The weekend after the Citrus Bowl, he was hosting a talented recruit in town, a recruit from the transfer portal. Uh, Darian Henry Young was in town, and when I saw that name, I was like, wait, I don't know that name, Darian Henry Young. It's like, oh, he didn't have the hyphen last time. And the the last go-around, uh, he was a UK recruit back in 2020. And it, it kind of goes back to the crazy portal, how quickly things happen. We talked to you all for, you know, 25 minutes Friday morning, and it was like, okay, well, Tyler Barron's in the portal. Let's uh, all that's done. We just got to wait for the fat lady to start singing. And then, you know, two hours later, he's out of the portal back at Tennessee. Uh, I'm sure there was some boosters who made sure of that. And Tennessee fans no longer were like, oh, gosh, this guy doesn't stink. He's actually great. We're glad to have him back. Yeah. And then uh, Darian Henry is on campus just like that. They were in the same recruiting class, about the same recruiting ranking. Actually, I think Henry was a little yeah, bit hot. Just higher. a few spots apart. Yeah. Um, and they both, Kentucky was a finalist down the stretch. I think it was one of those things where Ohio State, I think, had it walked up a little bit earlier. He Baron. was a typical Ohio State recruitment, commit early, mm-hmm. stay there, uh, doesn't really, doesn't visit many other places. Or Barron, Barron's got a little bit more extended. Um, yes, that was over pretty soon. Well, and in Henry's case, Henry Young, he was him and his teammate were one two players in the state, Paris Johnson Jr. Um, and it was a big oh, deal. Cincinnati getting, Princeton, yeah, yeah, getting those two guys, and then Jaheim Thomas, he was a teammate too, correct? I think that sounds ended, right. He ended up at Cincinnati, but he was like a top three hundred guy, depending on the rankings as well. And Merrill was able to get all those Princeton guys for a visit. Um, early on in the process. I think it was one of those junior days. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you lose the Ohio guys to Ohio State. It happens. Uh, Henry, in his case, unlike Paris Johnson, he, he he suffered, you know, an early injury. I think Johnson might even be starting right now. Dude's a stud. Um, he was like top 10 player in the country. So pretty good. But in Henry's case, uh, I reached out to some of our on three Ohio State guys. I was like, He's not transferring because there's like issues or anything. He's like, no, there wasn't any off the field. Uh, he just kind of got banged up early on and then got passed over by five star guys, which happens all the time. And now Kentucky, as soon as they got him on campus for a visit, Tom McClain was hanging out with them. They sealed the deal. And what I thought was really significant is they made it happen. It, it was a quick turnaround. And now he's able to get on practice for the spring semester and participate in spring practice. Jack Sawyer and JT. Tui Mialau were top 10 prospects in the class of 2021 at defensive end. Same position. Yeah. Recruiting class later. Um, gets recruited. My call is a top 100 prospect. Um, was kind of like a tweener inside guy. So, like, 
Ohio State Ohio State had like this historically great recruiting class in 2021. Um, and basically Darian Henry Young got kind of got recruited over there. And so that kind of set up, well, I'm kind of buried here. Might want to move. Um, so he comes to Kentucky. He only played in, I think, a couple games there at for Ohio State. Um so we really don't know much about him as a player. I mean, there's not much there on him, but you look at the athletic profile, the potential. Size. He's like 275, big dude. And where Tyler Barron was more more of a tweener. Like, if you had to pick one, Tyler Barron's a more accomplished player to this point. You're getting with him. Correct. You know he can come in and start for you at a position, and he's going to be drafted somewhere. Darren Henry Young, you don't know that all that. It's a lot of roll of the dice but he is more of a scheme fit for Kentucky because Barron would have been a tweener between that field in position that Pascal played this past season and then like a jack linebacker, outside linebacker. They would have yes. kind of had to figure that out. Darian Henry Young is not that. No. He's a straight 100% 3-4 defensive end. Now, he was at 265 pounds at Ohio State after being listed at 270-plus at a high school. Keeping weight on may be an issue for him. That's something that he's going to have to do at that spot. He needs to get up to probably above 270. I think they listed Trayvon Ribka, who he'll be sharing it's, duties with at like 290. You yeah, know, 310. What they he's up to 310. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you need, there is some girth and size you need at that position. Um, so that's going to be interesting for him uh, to see if they follow. If he can get that, he's going to be a contributor for Kentucky. If he can't, it's probably going to be hard. But if he can get at that weight, there's a lot, I think, to like about this addition. And then it just sets up where you've got kind of a quality backup um, to Ripka potentially there if it doesn't work. Or you could potentially – hopefully, if everything works out well, you're going to have a straight platoon across your front. Well, and you need the straight platoon across the front. I mean, mm-hmm. Pascal didn't miss any significant games this year outside of the Citrus Bowl, but he was playing banged up through a lot of stuff. I forget which game, too. He got kind of hurt at the end. I guess it was the LSU game right before the bye because um, you were just kind of ho- hoping that he would be able to make it. But Ox got hurt last year. McCall missed four games. You know, like, those guys get banged up. But when you look at the defensive line now, three of those top six were top 250 recruits. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then the, the two of the other ones, we're four stars in at least one class. Yeah, you're gonna in um Amor's room, you're gonna have right around a 70% blue chip ratio. Yeah, and that just depends on which you know rankings or whatever you're pulling from. And then the one guy who probably had the best, most productive freshman season of all, he was the lowest ranked recruit, <laughs> Khalil Sanders. Right. So there's there's a lot to like about that defensive line. And then you you put it together with an experienced group where you got Square coming back. You got Jacquez Jones coming back. I mean, hell, th- those two guys, they were your top two leading tacklers this year, and they mm-hmm. might not even be the most talented guys in the room. Yeah, for the on-three consensus, seven of the 12 scholarship players for next year in the defensive line room were four-star prospects, four- or five-star prospects, 58.3% blue chip ratio. That's pretty good. Um, and also, there also do some injury luck in that room, Nick. Like, Quentin Bohanna missed a lot of time. Yeah. 2020. This past year, they missed McCall. Pascal had the unfortunate injury. Ox was lost for the year. Mm-hmm. They're due for some injury luck in that room. Yeah. If that could come together, like, 
if Kentucky's defense reaches its ceiling or uh, achieves above expectation in 2022, it's probably going to be due to this defensive line room. There's a ton of talent in that room. And if they play the potential, you're potentially looking at a top four, top five defensive line in the SEC, which is top 10 nationally. <laughs> and, and I think the, the biggest question mark of it all is how much pass rush can you get out of that, which – you know, Pascal was very disruptive this year. Uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss, 15, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's really what yeah. Ox was starting to show that. Like, I have faith that he'll be able. I know it was an ACL. And, you know, as we saw with Weaver, like that, that takes some, take a little bit of time um, to be able to. I mean, JJ said he's. His was a meniscus, wasn't it? Did he tear his meniscus? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was just a meniscus. Well, if it's just a meniscus, that's better because meniscus is like a six-week yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking he – He was joking in the bowl I'll game, be interested like, to see if he could go like in spring. Yeah, um, I did reach out and learn that DeKel should be good this spring. Uh, All right. Said he could have played in the bowl game if if he, they needed him. So Because the missing link on that offense is really an outside vertical receiver, and that's what DeKel could potentially bring. Mm-hmm. If you could get that from him and be a guy you could get 12, 15 catches from this season, a few big plays, that would be huge for the offense. Um, Another big addition that appears to be eminent for the defense is familiar face. No, it's not Bo Pelini. It's Mike Stoops, which I appreciate that. I've seen it coming. That that football scoop kind of Friday news dumped it on us. Was it? I guess it was Friday. Um, but I was also shocked that the, I, I I did the thing where I was like, oh, if y'all are hating on Mike Stoops, like I, I try. W- there was some people like me and Kyle Tucker, and I think you like pretty much everybody was like, you can't hate on this. But yet there wasn't really any people hating on it. I had one guy in my mentions who was still you know, remembering Mike Stoops in like 2017 or 2016 in Oklahoma. Those defenses were terrible, blah, 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 blah. Back when nobody could play defense in the Big 12. Um, But I was surprised at the lack of uh, trepidation. And I I, I think that it also shows how far folks have come on Mark Stoops in that what people say about the expectations at Kentucky, they really are. the, 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 The lack of blowback you get from almost any Stoops move after you know this ten win season, it's he's built up a lot of cachet. Yeah, a lot of goodwill, political yeah, cash. Got like if he, <laughs> that's what he wants to do, you got to let him do it. Here's the thing with Mike Stoops: it did not go well at Oklahoma. The defenses were bad; they weren't good. Second go we'll, around, we've looked up and Lincoln Riley's got three years of non Mike Stoops defense, and he's had one top thirty defense as a head coach. Maybe it's just hard to be his defensive coordinator. <laughs> so that, that so that is that. But he's also coming here. He's not calling the plays. Nope. He is going to be the number two in the room. Um, Brad White's vice president mm-hmm. in the defense room. And so he's bringing 24 years of power five head coach or defensive coordinator experience. This is a guy who's coached linebackers. DBs, mm-hmm. defensive ends in his career. And has spent almost a decade as a Power 5 head coach. And just got the Nick Saban stamp of approval oh. for two years in his 
army of quality control assistants. Which, by the way, if if Butch Jones can get that stamp of approval, like Wayne, like the amount, the laundry list of people who have been through the, I mean, Sark, Sark was as far down the totem pole in like people thought so little of that guy. And then he, 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 he drank his way out of USC, you know, like that, that's kind of what happened. He does the Nick Saban program. He gets sober. Now he's at Texas. And then hell, even Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien only one year removed from that disaster at Houston where he's trading away DeAndre Hopkins for David fricking Johnson and taking that franchise into the tank. He's getting interviewed for NFL jobs after only one year. I think Mike Stoops is going to be just fine after two years. Yeah, I think what he's doing here, 60 years old, coming here to be get back in the Power Five to handle – be a kind of cold coordinator role. I think it's going to be, I think it's the hire makes sense. I, I, I get it. Um, you look, the one big question is, you know, is he going to get after it in recruiting? That's probably not going to be on the top of his priority list, but you go back and look at some of his recruiting wins at Oklahoma. He had some good ones. So I think recruiting wise, he could kind of be like an Eric Wolford where you can kind yeah. of stick him in multiple places mm-hmm. and he can go find you one, two guys a year. Um, but there, there's a lot of familiarity, comfortability, um, experience. There's a, I think there's plenty of reasons to like this. It's, and, Nick, you look at the defensive room, Amar Stewart, Chris Collins, Frank Buffano. That's not a lot of experience there. Yeah, you need you need the experience. Um, and I and think so the that one that guy gives, that we – And then Greg Minutsky is a QC role is probably helping out a lot. That, that was the yeah. one I was going to mention that – he doesn't have the like he, he he's under the radar because we only see him you know with the team with that big freaking goatee and that huge jaw, but I I think he like it feels like he's more than a QC guy you know and I think he gives a lot to this coaching staff that uh, is is never going to get credit for. Um, but like Stoops is basically like another Minuski, except he's going to have a little bit more on his plate, and you know he's Mark's brother. Recruiting and I'll have recruiting responsibilities. Right, right. Um, but I, I think the the old heads in the room, like it, it provides a nice balance, like it. And I think uh, you see that on the offensive staff as well. Like you know, Stoops needed to have some old heads in that room, and he brought in mm-hmm. Eddie Grant, and that really. Help balance. Well, not only just that, John Settle and Wolford as hires were two guys that have been around a long time, bigger programs in the NFL mm-hmm. to to kind of help a, a guy, a new play caller, and then a Scott Woodward too, who's kind of a first time position coach this past year. So I I like the direction this is heading. I also like that. Uh, man, we're gonna try so damn hard to squeeze any sort of. St- stories out of them and i hope that mike is a little bit more lenient than mark uh i've never listened to a mike stoops press conference he is a, a roush ksr follower so he's been there you he's, go. Been, he's been keeping up with mark uh through my tweets hopefully but i love the picture you found unfortunately because of the uh the, the new website we have to make it certain dimensions but Man, that picture of them at Arizona was just, my God, put that in the UK Hall of Fame. And they had the, the Air Monarchs for those that missed it. Unfortunately, I had to crop those out. 
Oh, but you but, had the young Stoopses, the fiery red hair. Uh, gosh, I, I'm at air being at the University of Arizona in those, you know, mid to late 2000s with the Stoops boys in town. You go, Nick, you go back and look at some of his staffs at Arizona. They had some guys on those staffs. Uh, Sonny Dykes, who's the head coach at TCU now, was his offensive coordinator there for a little bit. Mark Stoops, of course, Seth Luttrell, head coach at North Texas. And there's a few more I'm I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but they had a lot of kind of coaching star power there at Arizona back in that time. They're pretty Uh, decent too. I think mm -hmm. a couple, couple winning seasons, a few bowl games sprinkled in there, you know, I think I want to say like an eight and four year, one year too, but uh, yeah, they could, his, they, Starts a little slow and then had a seven to five, eight and four seasons. Um, they had one year where they played Oregon at home, and if they would have won, they would have went to the Rose Bowl. Um, but they ended up losing that game like in overtime. They just there was a, like a three year run there where they really couldn't get over the hump. And then when Mark left and Sonny Dykes left, they just yeah. kind of they fell apart a little bit because the, the coaching power kind of went out the window, which was unfortunate for yeah. him. That's got to be a fun dynamic, though, where you once were working for your brother and now he's working for you, and you're the little brother, too. Like, we're older brothers, so we don't understand it, but I'm sure. Right. Like, right. if I had to work for my little brother, you know, that would, there's definitely going to be some barbs thrown, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're going to make some jokes about, like, Hey, take out the trash. But then there's going to be a time, too, where you're like, no, seriously, I need you to go get me a coffee, damn it. Like, <laughs> When do you think we'll hear from Mike? Um, It's usually – so if that was last Friday, it usually takes like a week or two to clear through HR. It'll probably be like next – like a week from today, next Tuesday. It's, yeah. It feels about right. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, – It should be a fun little introductory – Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure Mark Mark will probably even show up for it. Oh, I'll introduce so. him. I bet he does. <laughs> oh man, uh, gosh, yeah. I, and you know, right now too, Mark has to be. He's got to be filling himself a little bit because uh, Kentucky they just finished 18th in the AP poll. It's only the 10th time in school history that the final AP poll of the college football season has featured the Kentucky Wildcats, and just the second time since 1984 which is kind of remarkable that none of those woodson seven and five eight and five or whatever teams were got even like a 25th or something like that but mm-hmm. not so you have that finish and unlike in 2018 where the team you know everybody was going pro you're bringing a lot back and especially at that quarterback position and that gets all of us dumb media idiots it gets us excited that makes you want to put in the top 25 going into the season, and I saw Kentucky as high as 12th in some of these way-too-early preseason polls. That one was by Bill Bender. Most have UK at 21. That, that's kind of the the sweet spot um, mm. the average, if you will. On three, I believe, with 18. Nice, in nice. I, 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 missed, I missed our uh, on three out there. There's just so many. Um. <laughs> Here's the thing with any top 25, especially way too early – it's super hard because you like, especially now, you just don't have any clue about the roster, mm-hmm. who's going pro, all that kind of stuff. Injuries can have a yep. huge factor. There's coaching staff changes are still being made, right? So uh, that's hard 
hard to do, but there is some early like you can you can tell who some who people are wanting to hype up in the offseason. Oh, Tennessee top fifteen team is just I mean I'm just but they were a given like mind. Wake Forest and Arkansas was both multiple top ten, and that's not something I saw coming. Uh, Especially something I'm missing. Is is Hartman gone too? No, he'll be back. He's back. So I guess they're just falling for that and that, saying the ACC stinks. Like so, all right. Yeah, but here, that's here, not that's not a reason for someone to be ranked in the top ten. See, and that's my other problem. My, I think I'm going to like. Okay, yes, it's hard. I know that some of you all are putting these out, and you were up in Indy last night. So you, you know, you're you're drunk on shrimp cocktail at halftime from St. Elmo's. God, they just love to brag about that shit too. That drunk, God, but. The, the thing that kills me is how many – you do not – why are you only putting four and five SEC teams in your top 25? You know that 10 of them are better than all these teams on the Pac-12 and the ACC. I just, oh, it, it, it's garbage. Like, get that out of here. I don't – I don't understand. Nick, what is that like Arkansas versus Kentucky? What is – what is different? Mark Stoops has done it long. Like, why, did, why isn't Mark Stoops getting the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Sam Pittman, just because they like him. I love he... Sam. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think what he's doing is awesome. I think he's a perfect fit there. I think they're they're kind of built to last. They've got a great coaching staff. I, I, I'm i a fan of what they're doing down there, but I just – I mean, at the same time, that. on the same day this year, Kentucky beat a better, a better Big, Big Ten, Ten team, team in a better yeah. bowl game. Like, I – Pretty tangible, and Pittman's got to play in the West next year. <laughs> you know, every year, yeah, every. I, and you know what? They they I, you got to tip your cap to how they performed against that schedule this year. But yeah, I'm with like what? Uh, it gets back, and you're losing this. Traylon Burks too. Like I just there is a it's just hard the helmet. I know it's weird to say because I'm talking about Wake Forest and Arkansas, but Kentucky is never really. It is weird. I think it's maybe how Mark Stoops and they they play, and it's kind of a boring style of football. And Mark's not out here just like you know kissing all their asses. Oh and yeah, and giving Mark them is not and... Sam Pittman in media. Yeah, he's not yeah. turning the damn jukebox on <laughs> and all of that. So which, there which, is. By the way, I've listened to Sam Pittman interviews. He's fun in those little snappy moments, but if you listen to like a long interview with him, he only provides like one moment, like twenty minutes. You know, like it's not. Like, he isn't the most. Charismatic on the day to day, like we just get the highlights when we go to media, right? Day like when he's that, talking yeah. to Bob Holt, you know, there's a lot of say, similar boring stuff, but I just think that he punches it harder than Stoops does when he needs to, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just find it interesting. Like that, that's I just found that interesting. That why is Arkansas? Uh, I mean, they're like they're very similar, like KJ Jefferson, Will Levis. You know, you could probably put them the same. They both lost star receivers to the NFL. Defensively, they both pro- they they both probably kind of overachieve their recruiting ranking. They're both losing some power star power on defense. Why is Arkansas above Kentucky? I, 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 that is, I'm just, I'm just very flummoxed by that. <laughs> oh gosh, this is so dumb. This is the day after the season ended. We're over here getting flummoxed on stupid top. No, that's just well, we did we say that, but it's what's going to happen when they open yeah. the polls, and then when I have to hear off season talk. Oh man, 
you know what the biggest Here's upset the thing, though with these polls like they are very meaningless in this but they do drive talking points and like we'll talk all off season in in those talking points and that talk does have i think some effect on recruiting well, you can use you can use graphics and all that stuff and then the ap poll is a historical reference that you can use, like when you go back and evaluate coaches thirty years from now, you're going to pull up those AP polls and see where they finished yeah. and see what their records were. And then, when you're playing on Saturdays and your the number is by your name, it just looks better than when a number is not by your name. Well, and here's one more thing too, Luckett, that uh, I I don't want to say I don't I don't understand because I do, but. The the way in which um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's 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 kind of a good thing because that's what fuels Kentucky. They love the disrespect. You know that's kind of that's kind of Stoops' mo. You know, just going back to even uh, Rally Moss in that you know before the bowl game, like they they love this to an extent. But the part that I don't get is when people get paid. Like their living is to cover these 14 teams. And you can just blatantly ignore one. Kentucky had the worst passing offense in Power Five football and then had a receiver the following year that I, I want to get this correct. I, I was trying to pull up this stat, but um, Wendell Robinson is one of only six players in SEC history. One of only six. Wait, is it six? Yeah, one of only six players in SEC history to have more than 100 receptions in a year. It was a year after the Power Five. And then David Ubin over here for the Athletic just, oh, here's the best things from the SEC, and we're just going to just act like Kentucky's a fart in the wind. We had South Carolina and Tennessee in there three times, and we're just going to act like Kentucky didn't win 10 games this year. Like, that's the part that, that drives me nuts. Because it's one thing if you're Stuart Mandel and you're just you, you don't have your draft decisions right or whatever when you're making your thing, or if you're Brad Crawford and you're just a huge South Carolina honk and you're always going to be, and that's just who you are. But when your your job is 14 SEC teams and we've got to talk about the best things from this year, and you can't even throw a 10 win Kentucky, 10 wins at Kentucky. This is the second – you go back to that historical record. Second time since 84. Tenth time ever. And it's not even a blip. That That's the there's, – there's a line between disrespect and, like, okay, you got to give them some credit. That's the part that just, like, has me shouting from the mountaintops. And, and, and the part that I think is even more disrespectful is it's like, oh, well, they don't care. It's like, no, people are listening to us jabber on about this the day after the college football national championship game, but Kentucky fans deserve more. They deserve better. And it's, it's, I just, I just don't know like it. I don't, I just, I, I think after this year, there were two things I realized. One, Stoops is probably only going to leave for this Iowa job. That, that would probably be the only thing he's leaving. And he's probably never going to leave. Two, the other thing is I don't think Kentucky can ever, ever turn a corner in SEC football perception ever. I, I, I don't know what more Stoops needs to do besides win the whole damn thing. Uh, number one, like I've said on here multiple times, for Stoops to leave, like when Auburn opens next year and Dr. War Eagle 
um, hand surgeon in Atlanta or a defense attorney, Albie Tiger in Montgomery, when he has to come as a booster and they tell the boosters, oh, we're hiring Kentucky's coach. They're just not like, it's just not, it's hard. It's a hard sell for those guys it, because of years of history, years of what they've grown up with, years of what they've done. They've just seen Kentucky as um, a third order football program, a basketball school. Yep. They just, they don't, they don't, Scott, they look down on Kentucky football. It takes decades to change that. Decades. Kentucky's going to have to win for decades for people to start stop thinking that way. Um, and from for that, that, that's pegged Mark Stoops in a hole um, for him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think when these jobs come up, it's just harder for him to get hired. I think there's more pushing for, for him maybe by his agent or whatever, but it's not. And now, Nick, he's, he's going to make $8 million a year. Mm-hmm. He's probably getting – that probably takes him out of that Iowa job. Yeah. Well, and his assistants, they're making – he's got million-dollar assistants. He's going to have three yeah. of them next year. You that's know, why I always have- said – these past two years, I've always said those are these are the two years. If you get through these years, he's probably here for. But uh, I, the coaching carousel might not be done uh, because NFL is firing people, and a lot of folks yeah. are pegging Jim Harbaugh to Chicago um, mm-hmm. to take over for Matt Nagy. Which, I, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, this is a great out. I think it's the perfect out. It's the perfect timing. You're seeing how bad things are getting for Scott Frost. And Nebraska, do you want your relationship? Like your relationship was pretty rocky with Michigan. You gave them this this year. It's 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 a good time to cash in, sell high, buy low. And yeah, for Stoops, it's like the Big Ten jobs are the ones I always watch out for. I think and, and, and ones that you can win a national championship at. And and I think the ones, the Big Ten, it, it goes back to that perception. I don't think they have that sort they of don't. perception of Kentucky where they would. They like, just see Kentucky as an SEC school. I, it's yeah, like where, there's where. The, in the footprint we live in, it's not like there's tiers. Yeah. Kentucky's at the bottom tier. Um, now, from a media aspect, like there is – you're just pointing out a couple people. I think overall that has changed, but there's there's more respect. But there's still there's still a, a reputation out there that Kentucky plays kind of boring – Boring, savage football. Like only, only the sickos would enjoy like watching Kentucky play on a weekly basis. Right, right. Um, they, now, if you're in it and you're winning, it's fun. But if you're just like watching a game on a Saturday, it's maybe not the most entertaining brand. But that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, it's all really all about the the, the W column. Um, so I think that that has some somewhat to do with it. But you're right, Nick. Like Kentucky had the worst passing offense in the country <laughs> liam cohen turned it in the top 40 passing offense this year top 40 top 45 ish just by adding two people and that's not probably that's probably put, like nationally didn't get the pub yeah. it really deserved my question for you i brought up that michigan job would you have any like obviously Stu, like when media people make their list stoops would be a candidate would you would you have concerns it's luke fickle matt campbell it's not getting past that <laughs> Or that defensive coordinator that they got from the Ravens, Mike McDonald, that could be maybe a Lincoln Riley thing where they're just like, hey, just hire this guy's young, but we like him a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not getting past those guys. Yeah. Or uh, I think you meant Marcus Freeman, not Lincoln Riley, uh, young defensive coordinator guy. 
Yeah, yeah, but I was kind of like um, – I meant it as Oklahoma. They had Lincoln Riley. Bob Stoops wanted to retire. It was like, we don't want oh, to lose I, him. I see we don't want to lose him. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and, and I think the other thing, too, Michigan job kind of sucks. Like, you got to deal with that alumni base. Yeah, I mean, like, Matt Campbell got to beat Ohio kind of State. Like, like Jameson kind of, Williams couldn't – play at Ohio State and he was Alabama's best receiver before he got hurt. Like that's they're kind so of, freaking good. That's kind of Matt Campbell. I mean that's right in his wheelhouse. Because oh, you can yes. sell like the old the old culture and armor culture. Oh my you God. know Michigan men yes. and yes. Um where he it's gonna raise it, his it, recruiting ceiling but he's not gonna recruit the top of the line. And he's gonna, gonna still go out and freaking lose to his rival every year. Like it's so just that, perfect that, for Michigan. Uh, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense I think I don't think I don't think it'll get to Stoops if it opens. I mean, we'll have to see. Um, I could see it as Harbaugh's just – I think he's mad about the – he got the, the, the motion pretty much. He's not yeah. making as much money. You know, I think if Michigan came back and paid him, I think he'd probably stay. But He's lame. The is only thing it? about these NFL jobs, like why would he go to the NFL – like if you're going to take an NFL job right now, like you're fired if you don't win in a few years. So you better go someplace that – either where you're going to get a chance at getting a young quarterback or you're inheriting a good quarterback situation. Well, and Justin Fields feels like a hardball kind of quarterback too. I mean, hell, he had to play against yeah, him. But, just, like, that's where he, he had success with Kaepernick, you know. If it came down to the Bears, that's what you would have to – Harbaugh would have to add, do I think I can win big with Justin Fields? Yeah. Um, if I could, then, yeah, I think he should probably take it. But if you don't, stay because you're in a good spot right where you're at. Is Lane Kiffin going to be on the sideline when Kentucky goes to Oxford next year? There's a lot of buzz right now. He is it. It smells like Nick from a guy who's following it from a little bit of a distance, but closer than most people because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> it smells like he he kind of wants out of there. Like he there was a lot of campaigning, I think, for him to kind of behind the scenes to get the LSU job. Uh-huh. And they never really considered him. I think he would have loved to get an interview at Florida. Florida never really considered him. To get back in the NFL, I think, would make some sense. I think that's probably the long play for him. I'll uh, Kingsbury route. Vikings is the, the noise right now, but, again, Minnesota. Why would uh, you go to Kirk Cousins? Quarterback too? purgatory. Uh, yeah. They're they're not good. They're not bad enough to go get a top-five quarterback in the draft. They're probably not good enough to go out and sign or trade for a quarterback. So, you're going to kind of be in the – Yeah. Nine and or nine and eight, eight and nine range in the NFL I mean, now, which is the worst place to be. In the I mean, NFL. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are really good pieces, but yeah, you know, got some fun pieces. But what is that? Like, you're going to get Russell Wilson. You're going to sign and trade for Kirk, which actually like for the Bengals, for the Bengals, Jamar Chase has been awesome. Like watching him this year has been awesome. But I mean, Joe Burrow is the you got the quarterback, so like you can have. Fun, like the skill pieces become even more fun when you have the quarterback. If you don't have them, it's just it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you gotta have you gotta have the quarterback in the NFL. If you don't, it's just so that's that's the decision. But you know, it's it's for Kiffin. It just smells like he wants out of there for whatever reason. Not well, sure and he why. might he might think too that he's got his ceiling with you know Tim wins Sugar Bowl, you know, like that quarterback. He, um, they he. They tried to out. land a transfer portal quarterback, Nick. Dylan Gabriel, UCF, miss. Mm-hmm. Cameron Ward um, was a, this big FCS quarterback, miss. He's reuniting with his offensive coordinator, Washington State. 
You've got a uh, Spencer, Spencer Rattler. Rattler. That was one going to missed. South Carolina. So yeah. they've missed seemingly on some of these portal guys. And Luke Altmaier was not great in that Sugar Bowl. So like, no, no. And we've seen Lane, the stability year over year. He struggled. It's peaks and valleys. If he stays, all, signs are pointing to a, a valley season. Deep valley next year. Oh, and be fun to go to there and beat the snot out of Good timing for Kentucky. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think DK Metcalf is walking through that door. Uh, we've gone a little long, but look at your Cincinnati Bengals are a- AFC North champions. My Pittsburgh Steelers are in the playoffs. My God, just hanging on. Mike Tomlin, man, sorcery. Your life. Getting that team into the playoffs is straight sorcery. <laughs> he's, he's so good. Oh, man. Big Ben is so bad. It, you know, when I knew that they had a chance to win is when it was third and seven and Ben threw a nine-yard pass. It was like, what, what is going, going on, on here? What are we yeah. doing? Not throwing a three-yard drag? Oh, God. Um, but – Bengals are in the playoffs. How are you feeling entering Saturday's game? Are you nervous? We got a Kentucky basketball game against Tennessee at one. Uh, I feel good because that snow's in the forecast, 25, 26 degrees, and we've got cold weather stats on Derek Carr. (laughs) All right. I got some here, Nick. Let me pull them up right So I am, I am, I am all in once I saw the, once I saw these analytics pop up today. These are really analytics too. I mean, Derek Carr for his career in games where kickoff temperature was even 37 degrees or less. 0-5, the Raiders have never scored 17 points. Only one game with a passer rating over 78. It's not good. So, buddy, that is the good stuff. (laughs) So, let's go. Let's see Joe Burrow in the Bengals breakthrough here Saturday afternoon. Mixon and Burrow, they had a week off to relax. Yeah, Um, let's go. I I I feel good. I feel good about the first matchup. Um, as long as they can block Max Crosby, that's and, the pass protection is the one concern. How crazy is it that dude was at Kroger Field like two or three years ago? No. <laughs> he wrecked <laughs> for, Kentucky that day too. Yeah, he did uh, for Eastern Michigan. Uh, and then you get to host the Steelers in the divisional round after so, they after they beat the Chiefs. So oh, very interest, very interested to see how. I mean, being I want the Bengals to win. I don't really care after that. Um, but potential Titans, Chiefs, that Chiefs rematch could be fun. Titans, Titans, Bengals would be a hilarious, yeah. hilarious. Fun Anderson week in the group chat. Fun oh. week in the KSR group chat. Oh, man. And you know what, too? It would also be a – the state of Kentucky, you're, you're, you're sandwiched right in between the middle. Right. Because people in Central, Northern, and, you know, some a lot of Louisville, they're Bengals fans. But you got a lot of Titans fans in Louisville in the western and southern part of the state, too. So, uh Man, that could be a ton of fun. I know, uh, I know, Drew is uh, is invested in. I think he's got. He might have tickets to. I know he's going to be in Nashville for at least the divisional round, maybe the the championship round if they can get in there. But uh, man, I mean, it, it it's the part where I like this football is so much fun. Like this weekend of football was amazing, but now I'm getting to the the dark parts of my brain where I'm like, oh God, no, we're running out of football to watch. We're running out of football to watch. It's coming soon. Only 228 days until week zero kicks off. Did we get Burt again this year? I think we get Scott Frost. <laughs> Nebraska, Northwestern. <laughs> Scott Frost versus Pat Fitzgerald. Just oh, perfect. We gosh. all know how that's going to end. <laughs> oh, Nebraska. Or Northwestern 17-14 Northwestern punt. win. Yeah, on a block punt. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to watch. And that game, that'll be at like a 7 a.m. kick because it's in Ireland. So mm. we'll yeah. get uh, Scott Frost and Fitzgerald with coffee. Yeah, can't wait. I'm already yeah. counting down the days. Already counting down the days. Well, it's been a lot of fun chatting about the latest Kentucky football. We'll be back to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers' big playoff win next Tuesday. Can't wait. It's gonna they're gonna shock the world as eleven and a half point dogs, which I'm sure that number. Last is time they were like in Kansas City, God, what was that? That dude? one got ugly. It was like fifty to nothing. That was oh, one of God. the biggest beatdowns. It was so bad. <laughs> so bad. But it's only going up for here for Kentucky football. We'll have more off-season chatter next week. Um, and, Hill, we might even be out at the basketball game this weekend. Might be dipping our, our toes into a different pool. Just so dipping. Get yeah. the band back together in the press box. <laughs> if there's no cheering in the press box. Is there booing? Because, God, I hate Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Whew, they're the worst. But you're the best. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us just go on and on about football. We love it. We can't get enough of it. And we can't thank you all enough for listening to our podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with more. Till then, go Cats and go Kroger.